I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's up? Welcome back to the Barton and Bud Show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving us your five-star ratings. We've got a bunch of them. We appreciate every single one. Um, We are plugging along. I'm about a couple weeks out from a baby. Uh, For those of you, plug the YouTube channel. For those of you that that have watched us on YouTube, you might see me squirming a little bit. I'm having some back issues. But aside from that, Bud, we're good, man. How are you and your in your world down in Florida? You getting through this thing? Yeah, man. We're we're, we're just staying socially distanced and and uh, and quarantined. And we, we are speaking of feedback. We appreciate all, all the ratings and the feedback here, but we we need some feedback for Barton. If any of y'all have made the executive decision to go from the Tahoe from the suburban to the minivan life, he, he's he, he's about to be playing zone defense exclusively. You no, know, it, it's match zone. They're they're not just spot dropping here in the Simmons household. I'm sure. We need the feedback about the minivan life. Have you, what do y'all think about that? It's- I am actually very in favor. Of the the my wife is a little bit, you know, she's got to look good in the pickup line. You know, that's still that's still on her mind. I'm saying let's 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 just pull the bandit off and go full on family of five here, minivan this thing, and uh, it's gonna make our lives a lot easier. But I think she still wants to, you know. I don't know who she's trying to impress. I don't know if there's some teacher or dad somewhere that she's trying to catch the eye of, but uh, we're, 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 we're resisting the minivan, it sounds like. I assume she does not listen to the show. Uh, <laughs> are there luxury minivans out there? Like, like are, are there differences between like just standard minivans and, and nice ones? Because like the SUV category, there's kind of basics, and then you, know, you got your nice ranges and your, you know, your, your G-Wagons and whatnot. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Give me wood grain. Give me, give me, uh, you want you know, the paneling? Just, just, yeah, just give me something that works. That's all I care about. Let's get these kids around and we don't have to worry about it. No doubt. All right. So, uh, speaking of, of driving, uh, Barton, you put out an article today on 247sports.com. There's a segue. Yeah. You know, we're, the, the, yeah, the bus drivers. So, Barton has a, has a piece. He's, and, and he's going to let you know he took my blue chip ratio team. So, the teams that, you know, as we know, have had done the kind of the minimum recruiting needed to win a national title. Not a guarantee to win a national title if you had the blue chip ratio, but if you don't, it's pretty much guarantee uh, that, that you won't win one in this given year. And he took and, and he kind of looked at an, at an additional piece of what you probably need to win one, and, and that's quarterback play. And, and so Barton, just kind of walk us through this here. Ultimately, you, you arrived at the conclusion of whether certain teams had a bus driver or a fighter pilot as their QB. That's right. And so I think, uh, admittedly, I, uh, in order to just sort of finish off a little, a little anecdote, a little color for this thing, I, I didn't do the full research. But part of, the, part of the reason for my belief that you, you need, like, the, the, the idea of this is to continue to, to whittle down the actual contenders for a national championship. You gave us the 15 names. 
in the blue chip ratio that allow you to contend for a national championship. And that's great. But here's like all of a sudden, I think in modern football, there is an additional barrier of entry to a national championship trophy. And that is a, 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 a quarterback that is elite. And, and what I thought was really interesting. So like when you think of, I kind of threw a little bit of the story, but like think of the, the early BCS championship days. First six quarterbacks to win a BCS championship were T. Martin, Chris Winkie, Josh Heupel, Ken Dorsey, Craig Krenzel, and Matt Mock at LSU. Like, Winkie started a year in the NFL. Uh, there are a couple of those other guys that started a handful of games. They all got drafted because, hey, they all just got done leading a team to a national championship. But none of them really had what you would call successful here in the NFL. And none of them, despite winning a national championship, were high draft picks. The earliest draft pick was Chris Winkie in the fourth round. So as the, as the, the game has progressed, you, know, you, you spatter a few Matt Leinerts and Vince Youngs and Tim Tebow's and Cam Newton's in there. You still get a few Greg McElroy's and A.J. McCarron's and even a Chris Link alongside Tim Tebow. But generally, like the, the, the game has started to progress towards the necessity of, a, of, a, of an elite quarterback. But then you get to the most recent era of college football. And Jacob Coker is the last um, bus driver, I would say, to win a national championship. He did it behind a Heisman Trophy winning running back in Derrick Henry and a roster at Alabama that's, that was the most talented roster in the country. But since then, you've got Deshaun Watson, Tua Tungavailoa, and again, I know Tua didn't go into the game as the starter, but his entrance into the game is what allowed Alabama to win. Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. Lawrence hasn't been drafted yet, but he will be a first-rounder. So those four, Deshaun Watson, Tua, Trevor, Burrow, the last four quarterbacks to win a national championship, are all, at this time next year, will have been first-round draft picks. And this is where my, I, I didn't do, do the full research here, and so maybe someone can help me out. But I, I don't think, certainly not in the modern era, and I'm not sure that this is that ever, like in the history of college football, has there been four consecutive national championships that were quarterbacked by a first-round draft pick. So if anyone wants to do the legwork for me there, if anyone wants to do the, you know, check, check me on that, but I couldn't put it on find Twitter it. right now. And yeah. maybe by the end of the episode, people will be able to tell us. Yeah. Um, but, but the point as you, as you, as you compose that tweet, the point in saying that is I think that this is a new era and this is a new era where, as it relates to the, necessity of a quarterback because of offenses and because of the, the how many points you need to score as a new era because of the fluid nature of quarterbacks in terms of the transfer portal and and the ability to to transfer places and the and the willingness of quarterbacks to go and compete uh with in established starters in front of them and potentially win jobs as an underclassmen coaches are being more open to that coaches are also being you know i think quarterbacks are more equipped to play early and so you know there's just a lot of factors that have created this environment to where this is a very quarterback centric league right now and and also i think teams are rec- like teams have the Nick Saban blueprint as well in the sense that 
they know how important recruiting is. They know that they know how to recruit at a high level. There's multiple teams now, I think, that are talented enough to win a national championship where it used to be just like it was, it was Alabama and then maybe LSU can cycle up. Or like maybe, you know, maybe Auburn has like the, a miracle season with Cam Newton. Like it took some really weird things to happen for a team to have a chance against that Alabama roster. And, and now you got Ohio State that's talented enough. LSU's talented enough. Uh, George is talented enough. You know, there, there's Oklahoma. Like, there's a bunch of teams that are, are starting to raise their talent level. And so, all that said, I think now more than ever, you have to have a, a what I call a fighter pilot at quarterback to win a national championship as opposed to the days when you could win it with a really good roster and a bus driver that was just keeping things on track and just getting guys the ball and not making mistakes and being a leader and a manager and all those sort of things. I don't think that guy wins a national championship anymore. And we've seen it in recent years uh, with guys like Kelly Bryant, Ian Book, Jake Browning. You know, We've seen how some of these guys look on this national championship stage when they're head-to-head with a fighter pilot. And so that's the preamble. That's, that's the that's sort of the basis for this discussion. And so I just went down your list. I went down the blue chip ratio list and, uh, and I started to, to identify who's got the fighter pilots and who's got the, uh, the bus drivers. So we can start right at the, uh, start at the top, I guess. Right. Yeah. Let, let's just, why don't we just go one by one and then I'll, I'll kind of throw some questions at you uh, from these and I'll say, you know, just pretend like I'll, I'll be the comment section and, and Barton, yeah. why, why in the hell did you pick this or, uh, yeah. Hey, I, I yeah. agree with you. That's an obvious one. And, and, and let, let's, uh, let's, let's go at it like that. Then I have a couple kind of, uh, general theme questions I, I, I want to throw at you too. For sure. All right. So first one's up Alabama. They're, they're the top blue chip ratio program. Uh, they've got a fighter pilot at quarterback. Now here's, here's the, the caveat there. I'm not actually saying that Mac Jones is a fighter pilot. I'm not saying he is one of these premier quarterbacks that's going to go in the first round that's got that kind of elite ability. But what I am saying is, and, and remember, like the Joe Burrow uh, phenomenon is present throughout this in the sense of a guy that was good taking a step to elite. Um, we couldn't predict it. It happens. So that could happen with any of these guys. And so I'm saying, yes, it could happen with Mac Jones. He could become an elite quarterback uh, with an elite roster around him. I don't expect that to happen necessarily, but I do expect that if Alabama is in a position to compete for a national championship, he will have either taken that step or at some point, whether it's during the season or whether it's halftime in the national championship game, Bryce Young will have taken over. So if Alabama is hoisting the trophy at the end of the year, Either Mac Jones has become that dude at quarterback or Bryce Young is the one hoisting the trophy uh, because I do think Bryce Young is a fighter pilot. Okay, so I, I'm i glad you clarified this because w- when I first scanned this this morning, I, I was in a meeting and I, I was looking over it and I was like, wow, Barton thinks Mac Jones is a fighter pilot. Like th- this is going to get the comment section stirred up because people are not going to read this. And then you clarified. I, that makes some sense. You have enough confidence in... Alabama's position room that they will have a fighter pilot playing. So basically, if Mac Jones does stick, we think he will be a, a fighter pilot. 
It's very much the Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence phenomenon or, or uh, scenario where Kelly Bryant was the starter. Kelly Bryant was going to have the opportunity to fight off Trevor Lawrence, and Kelly Bryant could have won every game. But I think at, at some point in the season, game four or so, Dabo Sweeney said, I see what's going on elsewhere. I know what this offense can be. We've got to make the move to Trevor. And I, I think Jalen Hurts, by the end of his career at Oklahoma, was a fighter pilot. But early in his career, he was very much a bus driver, too. And so it's the same thing with Tua Tungavailoa behind him. Like Jalen Hurts, all right, here's our bus driver, really good team. We got a good quarterback here. Jalen Hurts doesn't make any mistakes. He's gonna, but but ultimately he doesn't unlock our offense. And it took until the half halftime in the national championship game for them to hand the keys to Tua. But ultimately to win a national championship, that's what Nick Saban did. He handed the keys to the fighter pilot and said, you know, take us home. I, I like that precedent there with with Nick having done that. I mean, it, it's, if it's some coach who's kind of a little, you know, old and stodgy and not willing to do that, maybe. Uh, like I, I, I mean, I, I don't know who you want to use as, as an example there, but yeah, I, I think that's that makes a lot of sense. Uh, who do you have next? So George is next. Uh, this was, I'd say, probably one of my toughest decisions to make, and I, I went bus driver. Um, and, I, and I, I'm working under the assumption that JT Daniels is not going to be eligible. I don't know that to be the case. I just, I'm, I'm, I have to sort of pick a side in this discussion. And so with that said, I'm saying Jamie Newman is, is a plus driver. Um, and I'm tempted to say, like, he's got some fighter pilot qualities. Like, he could take a big step this year and... Lord knows Georgia has the roster. Um, we'll see if Georgia has the coaching to open things up. I don't know. Um, but end of the day, I know he was at Wake. I know that at the end of the year, his top two receivers got injured. But I still look at what happened again at the, at the end of the year against Virginia Tech, Clemson, Syracuse, Michigan State. He just wasn't a guy that did put his, a team on his back. Because that's sort of what I'm asking. Like, can the fighter pilot put someone on his back and, and elevate them? And he didn't really do that when he was up against it late in the year last year. And so I hold that against him in this discussion. I think there's potential for him to burst through, but I, I don't think there's enough proven there to, to, to count on that. I will say, though, I think if you throw JT Daniels in there, there's a little bit of an Alabama element where it's like, I don't necessarily think that JT Daniels has proven to be a fighter pilot yet. I don't necessarily think that Jamie Newman has proven to be a fighter pilot yet, but collectively, it, it, I feel like there's a better chance one of them, if they're competing with each other and emerges from that, has a, has a like if they're both, uh, I don't know. You're you're the numbers guy. Like if they're both sort of sixty or sixty percent chance of being a fighter pilot, and you you combine the percentages, and then sort of I don't know what the collective. You know, maybe it's a seventy percent chance that one of the two will be a fighter pilot. Um, right. You know, so I think that's sort of my 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 perspective on Georgia. I I actually totally agree with that. Um, I just got done interviewing Steve Palazzolo of Pro Football Focus for our, our social distance series and. Uh, PFF, they they love Jamie Newman, and, and they yeah. they they think he is is awesome. I'm I'm somewhere between PFF 
and our Florida Gators 24-7 sports board who thinks he's like like one of the worst <laughs> players ever to step on a college football field. So I, I'm i hopeful. Like I, I think the guy is going to be pretty good for them. I'm not quite as high on him uh, as as PFF is. But I, I want to interject here because clearly I, I think the Alabama and Georgia calls were, were probably two of the more difficult ones that you had to make here, I, I would think. And then they just happened to come with the two most talented teams in college football per the blue chip ratio. So let me ask you this. Like, I agree with, with, with this theory, and I think most likely we will have another fighter pilot breaking through. But aren't these also the two teams who have by far the best chance to do it without a fighter pilot just because of how much talent they amass elsewhere? Well, yes. But I think that that's the, the, because we have a couple fighter pilots out there. Like, I think that's why that's not enough. So, yeah, I do think that there, if someone's going to do it without a fighter pilot, it would be one of these two. But I am not confident that an Alabama roster with Mac Jones, who, if with a bus driving Mac Jones, or an Alabama or a Georgia roster with a bus driving Jamie Newman. Like, let's just call Jamie Newman like you know I don't know sophomore Jalen Hurts or something like that level of player. I I'm not cop like I I would I would pick an Ohio State a Justin Fields led Ohio State or Trevor Lawrence led Clemson over those teams. Even though I might give the edge and talent to. Alabama or Georgia. I, I, that's why I think it isn't like, that's why I think we're in an age where, you know, it's, 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 it's of importance that, that it didn't used to be like the quarterbacks aren't spattered all over the country. Like they're at the best teams. I mean, just because of the rules, because of, of how easy it is to score points now, like if, if you don't have a stud quarterback who can just take advantage of, of the modern passing offenses. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a big negative. Who uh, who do we have next? Uh, this was a, this is a short conversation. Ohio State, yeah, Justin okay. Fields. <laughs> uh, moving on. Is he uh, Iceman or, or is he Maverick? Like like is is Trevor Iceman and, and Justin's Maverick or like they're, they're rivals? Like, so I feel like Justin, uh, his his style might be a little more. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think Trevor might be Maverick. Because Trevor, I mean, Justin was the one that didn't didn't throw a pick until like the you know the last game of the year. Basically, he's he's pretty even keel. Like Trevor actually was the one that was like trying to make all the big throws early in the season. The interception count was ticking up. Um, you know, the profile in terms of just like his his longevity playing freshman starter, like. Uh, high school and college, all this stuff. Like you would think he's he would be um, Iceman, but I don't know the the style of play. Maybe it was a little bit a little bit Mavericky for for Trevor last year. That's an interesting way to argue that. I, I think you could also argue, like if you remember back back in in, in the movie Top Gun, and, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen a movie from the eighties, uh, sorry, Iceman won Top Gun. Trevor won the national title as a true freshman. Maverick. Yeah. You know, like briefly quit, came back, barely graduates, doesn't win Top Gun, ends up being the star of the show because he uh, it, it ends up shooting that, that Russian MiG down, like when they're, when they're actually in a real war, uh, and and so he comes back after kind of pseudo transferring. Would you say maybe maybe not succeeding? 
right off the bat and, and then finding right. success in a different venue. So like you could possibly argue that hey man, that maybe I, Trevor's yes. ice man. Yes, I think that's it. I think we just I think we cracked it. Trevor is Iceman, Justin Fields is Maverick, and now I want to watch Top Gun again. If you don't think I'm going to clip this and make it a VOD that I auto scheduled a run on a Sunday, <laughs> uh, you, yeah, that that's that's for sure. <laughs> All right, we I hope we have a date. Like, our, like, are the surely our audience is is uh, Top Gun competent? Surely they're literate on on Top Gun. Uh, I'll, I'll be really disappointed if there's a bunch of head scratching going on. I, I based on our comment sections, I'm pretty sure most of these folks know know about Top Gun. All right. Um, Good. All right. So who do we have next? We got Texas next. This one, I, I, I sort of, um, second nature allowed me to put Sam Ellinger as a fighter pilot, but I'm not sure how confident I am in it. The more I really like, I, he might just be a really good, like a, like a really good bus driver that is is going to get you close enough, but might not be able to get you over over the hump. What do you think? I I think he's a fighter pilot. Now he may not be like an NFL bound first round type pick. Like like the last four guys to win Natty's, yeah, they, they've all gone first round. I, I don't think that, that Sam Ellinger is is a first rounder, but I think by college quarterback standards, he, he can absolutely be a fighter pilot for you. Like like. He's not a Jacob Coker. I, I don't think he's just a caretaker. I mean, he's a guy who I I, I do trust to be a pretty good but, player. Okay, so so I think this is like, um, it is good to sort of clarify too. Like, for for the purposes of this discussion, would you? Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like like again, Jalen Hurts. I I think he only hits fighter pilot status as in his last year. Prior to that, his his, his whole career was bus driver. Uh, uh, Jake Fromm, bus driver. Um, even though he was drafted in whatever it was fifth round, I mean he's a bus driver. He's gonna he's 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 gonna not make mistakes. He's gonna get you squared away, um, but he's not gonna put you on his back. And, and so there's really good players that are bus drivers, and and I think that Sam Ellinger falls in this category. Like the reason I I, I lean fighter pilot for him is there is a the while the maybe just the physical tools, the physical talent might not be there. Some of these other guys, like there is an element of Sam Ellinger. There's, it's it's not hard to see him put a team on his back and grind out some yardage on the ground, make a few plays and clutch moments. Like he is central to Texas's success. He isn't uh, supplemental to it. And so um, I think I've talked myself back into it. Yeah, no, I, I think you made you made the right call there. Uh, initially with uh, with Hellinger. LSU, uh, we're going bus driver here with Miles Brennan. It's not to say Miles Brennan won't be a stud, can't be a stud. But what, I mean, like someone's got to tell me what, like why I should be more optimistic than just really good player uh, at this point. And maybe he's a bus driver this year and he's a fighter pilot next year. Like, But first year starter, I, I just I'm, I'm having a little bit of a hard time seeing how you could you know be as, be that optimistic to be like this dude is our national champ next national title quarterback. I think the only argument is is this the the total absence of 
LSU's at least public absence uh, pursuit of the tr- of a transfer quarterback, right? Like it just doesn't seem like like they went out and tried to get anybody, uh, and so they must have a lot of internal confidence in Miles Brennan. But but I, I agree, I, you can't. Re- I don't think you can make him a fighter pilot based on what we've seen so far. And even like even as a high school kid, he was incredibly productive. He was really skinny. He was. Uh, I wouldn't call him like toolsy, I guess is the is the phrase you hear about or the, the word you hear about a lot. Um, he was more of just like a really crisp, accurate quarterback. And that is that is the you know kind of the definition of a really good bus driver. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if he takes a big step forward or not. Who uh who do we have next? Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler, first year starter on the opposite end. Like First year starter, we haven't seen him, but I went fighter pilot here because he is, he's, I mean, he's, uh, he was the number one quarterback in the country two years ago. He is, he is an elite talent. And um, I, I just, I've seen it. I've seen him throw in person. He's got juice and he's got athleticism. He's got um, arm talent. He's got everything you want. And so, I'm not saying that they're going to be title contenders with him. It is still his first year starting. But if it clicks, then it clicks pretty big. So we'll, we'll, see, we'll see when it hits. But he's got, he's got fighter pilot ability, I think. I think that makes sense. And, and it's sort of a similar logic to, to the Bryce Young Alabama thing, right? Uh, like we, He was our number one quarterback. It was a bit of a down year for quarterbacks that year, at least from what we saw. As recruits, although I think a couple of them are actually outperforming what they what we thought they would do early on, um, that that's fair. I, I you'll probably get some pushback on that, but I I think having seen him in person, he he was the top guy that I saw that year as well. So I I think that's fair. All right, Clemson, Iceman yeah. is a fighter pilot. Um, Florida, you take this to start. So I. I think Kyle Trask's a fighter pilot. I, I think he's pretty good. Um, now, maybe I'm going to be wrong on that. So Okay. All right. So do you think that Kyle Trask at the end of the season is going to be – look, if, if, if Kyle Trask is a fighter pilot, then that means that Florida is probably, at least in Atlanta, like at least in the SEC championship game, um, contending for the playoffs – Florida probably just went, I would say, eleven and one or better in the regular season. Kyle Trask is probably gearing up to be a first round draft pick. If you think he's a fighter pilot, is that I, a, is that something you can envision as him being a first round draft pick? First round, I, I have a hard time seeing. I, I was all prepared uh, to, to bet you that maybe I bet you like an oat milk white Russian that. Uh, <laughs> That that he's going to be like a top seventy five pick or something like that. I, I okay. top hundred. Right, well, I'll, I'll give you a second rounder. I think third rounder, especially if you're third rounder, starting to get into, you know, is a third rounder going to in a, in the national championship game outdueling a first rounder? Probably not. I, yeah, I, but but a second rounder could. So like, I'll, I'll give give you second round. I think he might go second round. I mean, like there's okay. there's three right. quarterbacks who I think you really like to get drafted this year. Are you, are you that confident that that Ellinger is going to go over him NFL wise? I'm not. 
Not as a thrower. Right. No, not necessarily. But again, I think the way Ellinger's used some yeah. of the intangibles, the you know, the run game element he brings. Um, I think that there's like that's that's what put him over the top for like the fighter pilot tag for me. Um Trask is a fascinating one. I, I did bus driver and I could see yeah, I could see him taking a step forward. I could see him being a fighter pilot, but but my vision for him is more of a like he to, to me, he was a game manager last year. Like he was a he was a distributor. He was a a you know kind of a John Stockton. Like right. you know, he's not gonna be the one like I don't know, John Stockton's a Hall of Famer, so maybe people are gonna push back on that comparison. But he, he was he, he was making the smart throws. He was delivering the ball on time. He was letting his receivers make plays. I think he's got to be more than that this year if he takes a step forward. And I'm, and maybe he does, but I'm really interested in seeing that. That's probably, I'd say he's the second most intriguing guy to me on this list in terms of like the decision to make him a bus driver or fighter pilot. But the one game that, that, that I thought he, he looked really good in uh, was actually their, their loss. Like he was, he wasn't perfect against LSU, but but he was really damn good and like made almost every pass when they had to have it. And they they kind of went toe to toe with LSU for about. Did it get into the fourth quarter or was it more like like forty minutes uh, of of pretty close game? I know Florida, I think, had the lead at one point, um, but like he's, I, I think he's pretty good, man. I just. Is there another level that he can take his game to? I will say in that PFF social distance video, which y'all can watch on 24-7 Sports YouTube channel, uh, Trask was one of the guys who PFF has highlighted as uh, being one of the luckiest quarterbacks in the nation in terms of uh, he had a very high percentage of throws, which they graded as like turnover worthy, which did not end up becoming interceptions. And we know like, you control your controllables. So what are you actually controlling? You're controlling, like, are you throwing a ball that has a chance to be intercepted? Once it leaves your hand, you don't really control if the DB catches it or not. All, all you can control is where the pass goes. And, and so if they're right about that, that, that he had a, a probably unsustainably high number of throws which should have been picked uh, that, that were not picked, maybe he doesn't improve this year. Maybe there's regression coming. Yeah. And and keep and I mean I know they have some they have Kadarius Tony coming back and Kyle Pitts and uh, Trayvon Grimes and like there's players and Pitts is a probably and maybe a first round draft pick himself and so I'm not saying that he's devoid of weapons but it's a it's a different room it's fewer weapons and it's more on him than it Jefferson's was last gone. year Jefferson's gone uh, uh, isn't Freddie Freddie Swain's gone I think yeah Swain's gone Hammond's gone Cleveland's uh, gone Cleveland's gone. So that's, that's, you know, they, they, they threw the ball to a lot of different targets last year. So I'm not saying like, again, there's experience coming back, but three of those guys got drafted. Like they also threw the ball to P Ryan 40 times. Do you know that 40 catches for a running back? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's a lot of catches that are gone. Yeah. So it, it you know, it's, he, he's, it's, it'll be interesting for sure. Uh, uh, next up's Michigan. This is almost like a bus driver. Three- yeah, like it's just like Dylan McCaffrey to me is definitely a bus driver. Joe Milton, like the unknown of that, I guess we could see a fighter pilot emerge. Um, but more likely, if, if that were to happen, that would that would happen in 2021 or something like that. 
anyways. Joe Milton will be a really good test of something we've talked about, and that's a lot of these coaches think they can coach accuracy into you, right? Like they they look at it and say, oh, this guy's got bad footwork or whatever, and you know we we, we can make him into a more accurate passer. Maybe he holds the ball slightly different. Maybe his motion has something that you need to need to change about his stroke. Uh, I saw Joe Milton do some really freaky things in per like I saw him play a lot of seven on ball down here and like his high school numbers, the accuracy was was a bit of an issue. I've also seen him do like a standing backflip at six five, two thirty-five. I was like, oh my gosh, like if this guy doesn't work out as a quarterback, uh he's pretty freaky athletically. Like this could be interesting. And you know, I've also seen him like literally from you know six feet away, like a barely socially distanced pass going into the end zone throw like a laser wrong shoulder a guy who, who's running the drag had the ball hit off the guy's you know back shoulder and then pop up in the air for a pick in seven on when all you need to do is just underhand the ball to the guy um so like for him i i think if joe milton can learn to complete the automatic pass or the pass that, that good quarterbacks make automatically or almost all the time if he can just do that i think he has a chance to be a fighter pilot but I'm just not sold that that happens because I've never seen him consistently make that throw. He makes some of the crazy difficult throws, but some of the misses that particularly bothered me about him because I saw him play probably five or six, seven on tournaments, right? Just the, like the why misses. Like why why'd you throw it? Like why, how is that ball placement there in seven on? Um, I totally agree. Until we see on the field that, that that's improved, I think bus driver. It's a good reminder because you keep on hearing all this buzz about Milton being a stud and like you kind of have to shake yourself and be like, don't forget, like he wasn't very accurate in high school. Like, let's just wait and see. Uh, Auburn, Bo Nix, maybe Chad Morris is the answer to Auburn's pass game. Um, um, I don't know how to describe Auburn's pass game. Issues. Here, uh, I have something for you. Uh, I had to dig this stat up. In nine games against winning FBS teams, uh, Nix's passing numbers were awful. He had a passer rating of 108 when 5.6 yards per attempt. And he'll have to do that behind a completely rebuilt offensive line. So, Yeah, I, I, I just the, – the, to me, the tools aren't there uh, for Bo Nix to be a fighter pilot. He's a good player, and maybe he's – you know, if there's anyone on this list that's got a little Sam Ellinger in, I'm like, okay, maybe tool tool lacking, but makes up for it moxie, then yeah, maybe Bo Nix is that guy. But let's see, you know, let's let's revisit when he's a senior then. Um, but I this this year I don't I don't see I don't see him out dueling one of the fighter pilots. Um Penn State, bus driver. Agreed. Uh, Notre Dame. Uh, bus driver you could you could like you could make a case that ian book is better than that i've seen like brady quinn and i know brady's got some uh you know he's he's an, he's a notre dame guy obviously but you know i saw him um on one of those sort of fox uh pregame show they asked the you know urban brady liner bush you know who the best three quarterbacks in college football war and he had book as number three. So I guess like if you have really Notre Dame colored glasses, like there is a argument somewhere to be made that Ian book can take a step forward, but we've seen bus driver out of him. 
and I don't, I don't trust in his fifth year in the program. Somehow he becomes something new. We, we should make a rule that uh, if Notre Dame has a fighter pilot, we'll know it, right? Like everybody will be talking about it. It's Notre Dame. Like the media would love for Notre Dame to have somebody that they could hype. Like if, if we're sitting here saying maybe, and even the people who cover Notre Dame are like, yeah, he's pretty good, but like he's certainly not like a first round lock type, then I think we're pretty safe to say bus driver. Yeah. Ian Buck's not going in the first round. No. Uh, Washington, that's a bus driver room. Um, maybe their FCS transfer, Kevin Thompson out of Sacramento State, is a revelation. But for now, we'll, we'll default to bus driver. Uh, USC, uh, Keaton Slovis, are you in agreement that he's a fighter pilot? I, I think I am. I mean, to, to be that good, to step in like that as a true freshman, um, yeah, dude, he's, he's really good. Yeah. And then the last one, which I, this is probably the most controversial one for me. Uh, Texas A&M, I went fighter pilot, pilot with Kellen Mond. And, and I, I will defend the pick here. Okay. I'm not saying Kellen Mond is like one of the elite top quarterbacks in college football. I'm not saying that he's a future first-round draft pick. Um, I, I have serious issues with his consistency and um, trustworthiness, I'll say. But in, in this discussion, like in this debate, in this exercise, the, the idea is in part to, to identify like what someone is capable of based on what we've seen. And I do like Kellen Mond is probably objectively one of the most talented quarterbacks in the country. He is capable of making, like the way I put it in the story is, uh, this fighter pilot could crash the jet into the side of the mountain, but at least he's got the tools to fly it. And so I think when you get in a, in a big stage game like that, where you got to outduel Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or somebody like that, Kellen Mond is not at a talent deficit there. He's so can like the good Kellen Mond emerge this season? I think like I I think you've got a chance there. Um it, there's going to be some probably some ugly games, but I think he's got the horsepower in a in a big stage game to go toe to toe with somebody. Now he's got the horsepower to throw a you know to to lay an egg uh, as well. But in, in, in terms of like the way this exercise is put together, like I would lean fighter pilot for Kellen Mond and say he's, he's capable of, of putting up that kind of an effort. Oh, man. <laughs> I actually put him on my explosive, most explosive players list. I was going through this, and you know, if, if you take out the, uh, the sacks, he had like 7.5 uh, yards per carry last year against one of the crazy tough defenses or you know defensive slates out there. So I I love the running and, and I love the arm. I, I like I agree with you. He makes some of these really tough throws. The problem is I and you might blame this on his receiver. So I, I think there's a window for you to be right here. I'm not going to say like Barton, you're crazy for this. I don't agree with this, but I don't think you're crazy for it. I, I just don't see him hitting guys in stride, right? Like it feels like they're waiting for the ball. Like I need him to to just process and release a little bit quicker so that we can get get the ball there a step quicker 
because in, in that offense, like it's not an offense that is going to scheme up a lot of free runners. It's an offense that is designed to have a, a, an answer for any call the defense might might want to make, right? As long as you just read the defense and make the read, you're going to have somebody open. But it's not really like kind of like a a tricky offense where you know you're going to have guys who are just you know WTFO like like Oklahoma does, and so precision and hitting guys in stride is really important and and I don't see him doing that often enough. He always seems kind of like like a little tick late just 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 hitting them right as the defender gets there as opposed to hitting them in stride and letting them run for the big one. So I, I think that's one of the issues I have with with their their lack of explosive plays. Um but look if we can make Sam Ellinger a, a fighter pilot at least in college, I think you could argue that that uh like if they used Kellen Mond the same way they used Sam Ellinger, do we feel like like we'd be a little bit higher on Mond? Because I, I do. Like if you if you ran Kellen Mond like you ran Sam Ellinger, I, yeah, I that's think true. I'd be even higher on Mond because it's not that's like Ellinger point. has a good arm. His arm is is one of his, his weaknesses. I think that's a good point, but but also I, I I'd add this too. Like this, the the way this exercise is phrased, like I, I think both of these things can be true. I can both think that Kyle Trask is a better quarterback than Kellen Mond, but also think that Kellen Mond is a fighter pilot and Kyle Trask is a bus driver. Like, the, I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. And, and in fact, I do believe that. Like, I think Kyle Trask is, a, is a, probably a better quarterback. But Kellen Mond's upside yeah. is, is good enough to where he could roll into the playoff and 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 be as good as anyone on the field, and I think that that's something that is a necessity in today's game at the quarterback position. To, to go fantasy baseball draft analogy, right? Like Kyle Trask is the guy who I'm pretty sure I can draft. He's going to give me 30 homers and 100 RBI, but I'm not going to take him in the first round because he's not going to give me anything more than that, right? Like he's just that dude who gives me the same thing every year. Who I, I know is 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 pretty damn good. Kellamon's the guy. Like I'm trying to win my league here. Right, I, I, I want to take the guy that's that, that. If he hits, I'm going all the way to the ship. So you don't get any points for sixth place, right? Exactly. Like let's let's go for it. Uh, so I, I understand what what you're saying there. I I think he has the potential to to do it. Uh, that had to be one of your tougher calls. No, that was by far the toughest. And and I would say that to the the tough calls were that one, Trask, and then the Jamie the, the Georgia one. Those were the three toughest ones for me um, that I think you can make a reasonable argument on both sides. All right. So after this uh, quick ad break, we will come back and we'll talk about what it's like to recruit a stud quarterback after you've just recruited a stud quarterback. And maybe if we don't run out of time, we'll also talk about our playoff vote that we had at 24-7 Sports. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. So, Barton, uh, we're going to come back with another article that you wrote this week. Uh, or, well, last week, but we didn't get to talk about it last week. So you wrote a piece I thought was really interesting uh, about the process uh, and challenges of recruiting a, a, a stud quarterback after you just sign one who's like a bona fide no doubter type. Yeah, we you know we just we just sort of alluded to like this the quarterback environment, um, the the fluid nature of the transfer portal and the uh, the newfound motivation that kids have to sort of seize their opportunity to play wherever it might be. And because of those things, because, because we're in an era where quarterbacks can, can compete for a starting job earlier, never based on the continuity of, of system and style between high school, college, and even the NFL, um, because, you know, coaches are more equipped to, to hand them the keys. Like I think we're seeing more quarterbacks than ever being willing to sort of follow up elite players muck up a room but because of that because the transfer elements there's i think the the quarterback recruiting is more delicate nuanced than ever and so i just i sort of dug into you know what we've seen from uh, and and i defined it as splash quarterback so either or either he was a five-star coming out of high school and or he was a a guy that was clearly one of the top quarterbacks in the country as a true freshman and was clearly going to be a guy that was entrenched as a starter moving forward. Um, and sometimes those those two aligned and then they were both. Um, but but either or sort of defined for me what the splash quarterbacks were. And so the idea is like how you know how do you recruit a quarterback after the splash guy? And so I think that there's identified like kind of a few different ways. Like one is the Clemson way, which is I think the best way if you're just, but it's, but all these are difficult. Like you can't just pick a, you know, pick a path. It's not choose your own adventure. Like you also have to execute the plan and and it's really, really difficult to do. Clemson, they've had their guy. Uh, we'll, we'll start, we'll, you know, we'll start it with Deshaun Watson. They had their guy. They recruited behind him a, a local upside player in Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant was very athletic, very productive, but he also wasn't a, a national name. And so they take a shot on him, develop him. If he turns into the dude, he turns into the dude. He turns into a really good player, but not quite the guy. And behind Kelly, behind Kelly Bryant, not not directly behind him, but I think a couple years after, was they, they drafted Hunter, or recruited Hunter Johnson. Again, another five-star kid. Uh, and immediately after Hunter Johnson came Trevor Lawrence, a five-star kid. Uh, that's a five-star beating out a five-star there. Um, when Trevor Lawrence's opportunity arrives, uh, Kelly Bryant's there. He beats him out. So Kelly Bryant or Trevor Lawrence is clearly the guy. Tyson Pumashan comes in. That's another, again, not a guy that's ready to play right away, similar to Kelly Bryant. He's your guy. You sit and you, you groom. And next year would be Tyson's year. Uh, assuming he doesn't get beat out by DJ Uyangalale, who is the the most recent five star, so they go like five star development, five star development, five star, five star, and um, 
And then like this year after DJ, they've, they've committed a, a kid named Bubba Chandler. Who's like a former baseball commit who is a, a kind of a late blooming quarterback uh, that's is going to be content sitting behind DJ for a couple of years and developing. And so by doing it that way, I think there's like a perfect rhythm to it. There's a, you get your elite players, you get some, some upside for if the, the developmental guys hit, and you also have sort of an understanding from those guys that they're not going to play right away. Um, and, and I think like no one else has been able to accomplish this. And, and I think that uh, that's why this sort of stands alone as like the, the program that's recruiting the best. Cause not only do they have good players, but they also have depth in their room uh, over the last few years. In addition to good players. I, so I, I think Clemson's model is, I, I, I think it's fine. Do you think it is the best process model or do you think like, well, what's the, what is it what, hard for you to separate results from process here? Cause like they've nailed it. Well, if again, was, how do you, how do you separate process when you're talking about like they recruit five star guys and they spit and they space them out. And so sure. I think, yeah, like you, I'm not going to like, it's hard to tell anyone like the best process in recruiting the quarterback is to recruit the number one player in the country uh, in every three years. And it's like, well, okay, thanks for the tip, bud. like that's, that's pretty tough to do. So uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm okay with the process being, being, um, with praising the process while, but I have to acknowledge like the process is virtually impossible for most teams to, to achieve. What would be your critique of, of the Clemson, uh, approach? Well, so I, I think if we are under the assumption that they are, that they are trying to get the best guy every year, but then they're, they are strategic in their fallback plan. I, I don't really have one, right? If, if, I just don't want people to think that Clemson is strategically only trying to go for a stud every couple of years, right? Like they, they certainly are looking to get the best player every year. Uh, but I think the, the beauty of their process here has been when they realize they're not going to get the five-star to follow the five-star for, for the next year, they, they go get somebody who's likely to stick around for a year or two because he's not somebody who comes in believing that he – not that he doesn't want to play right away, but like he's not some one of these guys that, that comes in believing, hey, I'm going to either play year one or I'm going to transfer. And there are certainly kids like that. So I, I think their process of finding the right fit uh, is is good there as as their fallback. Um, clearly, like like the ideal process is probably like Georgia, but their results have not been anywhere close to to as good on the field as as Clemson's have been. So 2019, after Trevor Lawrence. Clemson offered five quarterbacks. They offered Graham Mertz, Brendan Clark, Bo Nix, Sam Howell, and Tyson Pumachan. I think, and then they zeroed in on Tyson, I mean, fairly early. And I think, like, there's, there's something to be said for, like, you know what? Like, they, I do think that there's an element of acknowledging, look, we got Trevor Lawrence sitting right here. We understand what the recruiting climate is going to be for us to recruit after Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Tyson was the lowest rated of all those guys with the exception of Brendan Clark, actually. And, and he is like very clearly, I'd say he's very clearly among that crew, the highest risk, um, most raw, I guess, of that group. And so I think that that's, 
I don't know. I, I guess that could be, just be coincidental, but I read that as, as Clemson being like, look, we're not going to just, you know, chase ghosts out here, trailing Trevor Lawrence. Like, let's go get the kid that we, that you can get a, a nice return on if you, if you invest in him and acknowledge that like, he's not, we're not gonna have to battle off the big dogs in college football for him. This is a guy that's, you know, we can develop. He has high upside, but he's not ready right now. And he's not going to expect to play for a couple of years. I, I think that's, that's fair. It, we should also note that in that particular year, I think we had only one five-star quarterback, right? Just, just Rattler. That was the Rattler year. That's yeah. fair. Like it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great year at the top um, at the quarterback position. That's true. Uh, but I, I thought this was a really cool article. I mean, it, it's not necessarily one of, the, one of those pieces that's going to do a, a million page views, but I, I think it's something that we can reference over time. We, we can go back and, and look back at it. We, we, we can update it. And it, it's the, the process of all this was, this had to be fun to write. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it was hard to organize. It's hard to figure out exactly how to write it. Um, you know, the, the other approach is George's approach of just like getting as many guys as possible, letting the chips fall, sifting through it, seeing who's left standing at the end. Like, get Jacob Eason, get Jake Fromm, then get Justin Fields, and then whoever wins, wins. And you got to pick the right guy. And, and again, not everyone can do that approach either because you got to be able to recruit those sort of guys. Um, but they've done the same thing with the transfer portal too. Get Jamie Newman, get JT Daniels, arguably the two best transfers out there. Um, and, and then there's like, you can also just sort of dig up three stars that are really good players. And, and that's happened as well. I, I thought to me, like when you talk about this has to be fun to write, it was the, 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 uh, Eureka moment. Like the thing that I thought was really startling when I kind of came across it was the stat I dug up, um, which is, uh, let's see. Beginning, I'll just read the, the paragraph. Uh, beginning with National Signing Day 2012, there have been seven quarterbacks with a composite rating over 92 that have followed a splash quarterback from the previous class. So basically, a highly regarded quarterback that has followed a highly regarded quarterback. Six of them have been drafted or are projected to be drafted. Uh, so to me, like that's a startling stat that at the quarterback position, a position that generally speaking is a tough one to project, six of seven highly regarded players that have followed highly regarded players have hit. Now, the key, the, the point is they haven't always hit at the school they, they, they joined. But I thought that that was a telling stat in terms of what it reveals about the quarterbacks that are confident in their abilities. You got Trevor Lawrence following Hunter Johnson. He beat him out. Justin Fields followed Jake Fromm, lost that job, but he's going to be in the first round next year. Uh, Kyler Murray followed Kyle Allen. They both sort of left Texas A&M. Tua followed Jalen Hurts, who had just got done leading his team to you know national championship game. Fromm followed Eason, who just got done starting as a true freshman at Georgia. Malik Zaire, there's the one miss, followed Gunnar Keel. And then Jalen Hurts, followed Blake Barnett. I know that doesn't sound like much now, but Blake Barnett at that time was the, was a five-star quarterback going in and Blake Barnett actually was the the starter. I mean, he, he started the, the, the first game of the year. Um, and you know, obviously was deer in headlight and Jalen Hurts took over for him, but like he had the, the, the job was not open for Jalen Hurts. And so I thought that that sort of list of players 
as the only ones that followed a splash quarterback that were highly regarded, it tells you a lot about them and, and, and maybe explain some of their success. Man, that, that is a good list. I, and looking at this, I'm, I'm trying to look at like what the commonalities are of these guys who followed other than that. They're, they're all kind of fearless, you know, is, is clearly something that, that I think maybe having the, uh, the, the fortitude to follow somebody like that, whether or not you stick there, but just, I, I think the initial belief in yourself uh, and, and the confidence, maybe there's something to that as a quarterback that allows you to say, you know what, I'm going to go win the job somewhere else now. Like, like if I'm not going to stay here and win this, I'm going to go somewhere else and succeed. Well, and that's one of my biggest pet peeves when people talk about, oh, yeah, he, yeah he's real confident, real competitive, tuck tail and ran as soon as he lost the job. It's like, man, that to me, that is a such a uh, uh, such a misrepresentation of what it means to be a competitor. Like those guys went in and they tried to compete for the job. Like Justin Fields lost to Jake Fromm. Like he, the, the, the path to the field wasn't there. And so, yes, you can be a competitive person and stay and keep on battling. But like the the competitive, a competitive instinct is also, I'm going to go get on the field and, and play and show you why I'm really good. And, and like, that's, you know, yeah. Jalen hurts transfer from, from Alabama. Well, guess what? Like that was the easiest call in America to, to, to do for, for Jalen hurts. You know, I mean, uh, Kyler Murray, like that was a complicated situation at Texas A&M, but he went and he waited behind Baker Mayfield and then he got a chance. He competed like, I think being a competitor means wanting to compete, uh, you know, and, and if you're not given an opportunity and if the, the path to the field is blocked and it's been made clear by a coach that they value someone over you and it's okay to go and want to play somewhere else. Like that does not make you, that, that, is, that does not ding your competitive nature. I think it, it, if anything, it validates your competitive nature. And if anything, just, if we can harken back to our draft episode, I mean, Barton, like the one position where, and also our, our transfer ratings episode, like the one position that is getting drafted very high in the draft following a transfer is quarterback, right? Like, like it, implicit in the, the whole, like the, he doesn't want to stay and compete discussion is sort of this automatic assumption that these college coaches are making the correct decision and playing the best player. And I, I don't, think that that we should assume that all the time now do i think more often than not these college coaches are making the right call and selecting the best guy yeah i do but like look bama chose blake barnett over jalen hurts until blake barnett showed that he couldn't play right i mean like kirby smart chose jake Fromm over justin fields now you can tell me that justin fields got beaten out and i believe that but at the same time, did Justin Fields get a chance in games to show what he can do, or did they use him as like a gadget fake punt guy? You know, I, I and like Clay also Hilton chose Max Brown over Sam Darnold. Yeah, like <laughs> if you're going to criticize guys for transferring, like I, I think we too often assume that the right guy won the job, and I think repeatedly these quarterback transfer success stories are showing us that. Deciding who's going to be your quarterback is hard. And sometimes these coaches don't get it right. In fact, probably more often than we realize, they, they don't get it right. Uh, so I, I have no problem with quarterbacks transferring. I, I want to see which teams are going to be really, really good kind of using the Oklahoma model, right, of just going out and trying to get the best transfer quarterback every single year. Maybe that's, maybe that's Georgia with, with, with going out and getting Newman and, and then following it up with Daniels in the same damn year. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, we could be looking at Newman this year, Daniels next year, maybe next two. And then who, you know, then you just, you've had two years to recruit your next transfer quarterback and make, you know, I mean, it's, who knows? Like it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's an interesting approach for sure. Have we looked at the hit rate of five-star quarterbacks who transfer versus the hit rate of five-star quarterbacks who don't? No, this might not be a bad idea. I think we should do that. Like, I mean, there's some busts that transfer too. For sure. Yeah. So oh, I, I have no doubt the transfer, the hit rate will be lower if you do transfer. Yeah. But yeah. how much lower will it be? Like, do you think it's, I wonder what the, what, what the, the percentage of guys, five-star quarterbacks who stay get drafted as compared to the five-star quarterbacks who transfer get drafted. You think it's twice as often? Um, Three times as often? I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm thinking of, uh, there are some transferred quarterbacks, five-star quarterbacks coming to mind that didn't, that didn't hit. So, I mean, there's plenty of them, but For sure. it would be an interesting to, to just dig and just see what you find. I think I will. By the way, great, great graphic there. By, uh, by 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 Ted on your article today, with um, the, the uh, with, with the fighter pilot. fighter pilot one. Yeah, yeah. Do we have yeah, a bus fun. driver element there? Like, like I, I I wish I wish you would have put somebody like driving the bus. Just someone putting the yellow bus. Just put a put a hat on. Oh man, yeah. that'd be yeah. awesome. All right, uh, we will save the uh, the playoff boat for the next episode. Really appreciate y'all listening to Barton and Bud. Uh, over four hundred five star reviews now on Apple Podcast. Again, we're available. Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, pretty much any other podcast app that you know of. Keep showing us the love. We're, we're seeing our subscriber numbers go up. If you do listen to us on a on the website, if you're one of those folks who listen to us while you click on an article, uh, go ahead and, and search for us on your podcast app or just hit one of those subscribe buttons there that you see on your screen. And we certainly appreciate it. So, uh, Barton, I'll see you next time. Yep. We'll talk to you. is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.